John tells us um, that it's the third day that this wedding takes place. Uh, and it's an interesting start to the story. On the third day, a wedding took place. Now, um, custom says that weddings normally happened on a Tuesday or a Wednesday if it was a widow. If a widow was remarried, apparently she was allowed to get married on a Wednesday. Uh, but normally weddings happen on a Tuesday. So it can't possibly mean the third day of the week. Um, and um, some people say oh, it was maybe the third day after Jesus met his disciples. Maybe, maybe not. Actually, um, it's possibly, um, I think it's more likely that John is making a point about the third day and saying it was on the third day, representing God's new pattern of life and creation. So in Genesis, on the third day, we see God creating the land and the vegetation. And on the third day, it sort of rises from the ground. And, and this can also be a picture of Jesus's resurrection because Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. So it's interesting um, words that John is using here. Um, and the first, the first time in the Bible we see really talking about three days um, is in the book of Jonah. Um, this theme of three days when Jonah is in the belly of the fish. Um, and then John mentions it again. Um, in a, um, a little bit later, we see um, at the end of chapter two, and Jesus says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. So we see that John is very carefully telling us something important about this three days. Um, in fact, there are 21 references to the third day in the Bible. Jesus himself later says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it. Um, and so this is a theme. We're already, Jesus' first miracle, and he's already pointing towards the resurrection. He's already pointing to something else. You know, what I'm, um, uh, this is something that is bigger than, than, um, than what we can see. So we also see some other themes in this passage. The theme of Jesus being the bridegroom. Now, I read somewhere that um, somebody has suggested wrongly um, that this was actually Jesus' wedding and Jesus was getting married. Um, but John makes it clear that Jesus was an invited guest at the wedding, that it wasn't his marriage and he wasn't marrying Mary Magdalene or anything else, but he was invited to the wedding. And you don't get invited if you're the bridegroom, do you? Well, not unless the bride's particularly um, stringent, but actually, you know, the bridegroom um, and the bride together invite their guests or their families um, and so we see this um, beautiful picture of Jesus' relationship with the church. You know, he is the groom and we are the bride. So John is from the start telling us that Jesus is going to create something. And this is a foretaste of Jesus um, representing the groom. So this is kind of where we start. Now, the, the main focus initially is on Mary. Now, perhaps I'm moving a little too much into speculation. But, you know, she must have been a pretty awesome woman. For, for God to choose her to be Jesus' mother. So there's some significance about this being mentioned because we, we don't have any details of any other social gatherings that she attended previously or after. So the fact that she was there is important to this story. It seems like that she was the sort of main guest and then Jesus and his disciples were also invited. Um, so we see here it says... Um, Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited, but Mary's perhaps more significant invited. Uh, so this perhaps suggests why she feels that she has more ownership of, of this event. Um, you know, so sometimes, I think we, we sometimes you, you get invited to something, don't you? And you say, oh, you can bring a friend along kind of thing. Or, you know, you get invited and then somebody that's with you kind of gets drawn in. 
So um, Mary has seen uh, that the worst has happened in this. Shame on the family, they've run out of wine. Perhaps this is people she's close to, people she really cares for. Um, you know, my, my husband would say that I'm interfering. If I saw that they'd run out of wine, I'd be saying, they've run out of wine. And he'd say, stop interfering, it's not your job. You know, this isn't your, this isn't your, your party, you haven't hosted this. Um, but Mary was obviously concerned about this. Maybe they invited too many extras, like Jesus and his disciples. Maybe she felt, oh, you know, they shouldn't have invited my son. You know, maybe, he's, you know, I don't, I don't quite know. You know, we can sort of think about it. But Jesus's reaction is really interesting. He says, why do you involve me? Now, Mary involves him because she clearly knows that he can help. You know, she's going to him because she knows he can help. Now, we don't know why she knows that he can help. But, you know, he's her son and she knows what he's capable of. We don't have any other evidence to back up to the, to the fact that, you know, that, that, that he's turned water into wine in the past or whether he's a regular publican or, you know, that he orders it in. We don't know why she says this exactly, other than she's his mother, she knows him and she knows what he's capable of. Um, so in this story, I'm, I'm reminded of the parable where Jesus tells of the son who is asked to go and work in his father's vineyard. And he refuses, but then he goes and serves anyway. Jesus says, why do you involve me? You know, Mary could just be gossiping. They've run out of wine. You know, or she could be concerned. They've run out of wine. What's going to happen? But I think that she had a plan. They've run out of wine and you are going to help them. Then Jesus said something even stranger. He said, my time is not yet come. And the thing that is interesting is he says his time is not yet come. And so you'd have thought at that point he'd step away. Sorry, my time's not yet come. I'm I'm not going to get involved. But he doesn't. He said, my time is not yet come. But then he does something about it. So maybe it suggests that he's talking about it in two different ways. His time has not yet come to die. His time has not yet come to make a big spectacle of things. But actually... He can serve, and he does serve. Perhaps he feels Mary strong-arming him into it. You know, she tells the servants afterwards then, do whatever he tells you. So he says, my time hasn't yet come. And she says just to the servants, just do whatever he tells you. He's going to do something about this. You know, he's going to make a change. He's going to make a difference. He's definitely going to do... My son is going to do something about this. I know it. So... um, Jesus gets the servants and he gets the jars filled with water, big jars. Each jar is approximately 100 bottles of wine, I worked it out. Anyone got a a wine cellar with 100 bottles of wine in it? No, not even Chris Smith, I think, probably has 600. And then there's 600 bottles, so it's six wine jars. So we're talking about really big, you know, amounts of wine here. Um, You know, and Mary clearly wasn't just a guest because the servants are doing what she says. Or maybe she's just taken authority in this crisis situation. She, she's the one managing this crisis. So what I find quite interesting is um, that Jesus, he kind of, they, um, he, he, doesn't, he does this in a really understated way. He doesn't make a big show of it. It's not a big showmanship. He doesn't go, wine, be or water, be blessed, and turn into wine. And the whole room turns around and goes, ooh, look, something's happened. 
He literally just says, get the water into these jugs. And I, I mean, if you think about it, six, approximately 600 bottles of wine. You'd have had to, they'd, they'd have been pouring for a while, wouldn't they? This is, not a, this is not a small thing that they've done here. You know, fill these up to the brim with water. So they've done that. And then he says, now take some to the master of the banquet. You know, that's all he says. Now take some to the master of the banquet. There's no blessing. There's no words of command. There's no nothing apart from just try it. Very interesting. You know, his first miracle, there's no showmanship, no ta-da, you know, nothing like that. You'd expect a sleight of hand, but he's not. He's just like, let's get on with this. So suddenly there are 600 extra bottles of wine. Best party ever. When I was at university, uh, one day, they suddenly, somebody just delivered this big black pyramid. It was probably about this high, and it was this massive pyramid. Um, and, you, and, and they just took it into our common room. And when you kind of opened it up, it was full of Doritos, because Doritos were launching um, in the UK at that time. And so as a promotional, they just delivered all these packets. There must have been hundreds of packets of Doritos in this massive thing. And uh, all of us as university students got them for free. You know, great party. We all just got loads of free crisps. Fabulous. You know, who doesn't love something free? Does anyone not like something free? No, we all love something free, don't we? We all love free stuff. Um, So in this situation, in the Bible, we see Jesus saved this bridegroom's wedding. He saved the shame. He preserved the party. And he pleased his mother. Very important. We all like to please our mothers too, don't we? Um, And he started to show who he is and what he's capable of, all in one sign. Now, in the Bible, we've seen some other sorts of signs like that. We saw Elijah, who who got a tiny bit of oil, and then he kept pouring it out for the widow. And she, she had this oil, and just kept pouring it out, pouring it out, pouring it out. So he kind of extended what was already there. But this was a creative miracle, Jesus made water into wine. He turned one thing into something completely better and different. And the master said, you have saved the best until now. I've just been thinking about this, that this morning. You have saved the best until now. John says this sign is the first of the signs which Jesus showed his glory and he had the effect that the disciples believed in him. But how many other people were there that they, they didn't necessarily know? If you'd been at that party, you might not have even noticed what Jesus had done because he didn't make a big flourish about it. We might not have noticed that the wine got better. We might have noticed that the wine got better. But that might have been you know, the extent of our knowledge of what was happening at the time. But the disciples saw and they knew Ian and I were just talking this morning about calling and as a minister it's really important to have a calling that you can look back to when the days are difficult and you think oh gosh this was a horrible day maybe I should go and get a normal job Um, but then you look back and you think actually no I know that God has called me to do this so I'm going to stick with it and I think that this sign was a sign for the disciples to look back and say things have been really tough but actually don't you remember He turned that water into wine, and we have no idea how he did it. And I think for all of us, we sometimes need things to turn back to, don't we? To think about, you know, why are you a Christian? 
Sometimes some of us have been Christians for a very, 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 very long time. And we can't necessarily remember. But actually, um, when we look back and we say, why am I a Christian? Why am I still walking with God? You can remember that thing that he did in your life. Or that word that he spoke. Or that person that walked alongside you and helped you at a difficult time. And it's really good to have those things in our mind, isn't it? And to remind ourselves. Right, okay, I've just got a quick 30 second talk to the person next to you if you feel comfortable about it. What would this party have been like if Jesus hadn't done the miracle? People would have left early. What else would the party have been like? You're not going to say. <laughs> what would the party have been like? Oh, goodness, it would have been pretty ordinary. Pretty ordinary. And, you know, in those days, the, 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 the weddings lasted for a couple of days. So everyone would have had to go really early. You know, they would come and they'd made all this effort. You know, they'd booked their schedule, changed everything to get there. And then the party would be over. You know, it wouldn't be such a celebration, would it? Wouldn't be such an amazing celebration of a, a couple joining together because they would, you know, the, there wasn't enough hospitality. So, Jesus saved them from an embarrassing situation um, as well. So, the party would have sort of faded after they ran out of wine, but the miracle kept the celebration going. And I like to think, in a way, that that's what the miracles that God does in our lives do for us, too. When we see something of an answered prayer, it keeps us going, doesn't it? The little miracles keep us going. Um, I remember there was one day when I was feeling like I needed some encouragement. And, uh, and I prayed to God and I said, God, please could you give me some encouragement today? And I was on my little bike, my pink bike, cycling up the hill. And, and it was quite a big hill because this is Bristol. And I was cycling up the hill and a random stranger just shouted at me and went, keep going. And then a few minutes later, another random stranger saw me, probably even pinker-faced and sweating, and said, well done, you're nearly there. <laughs> and, and that was an answered prayer, wasn't it? But it was a bit random, because I thought someone might sit beside me and say, your work's great, Gabby, you're doing a great job, you're working really hard. But I had two people, just random strangers, shout at me, keep going, persevere, go on, you're doing well. Um, and that kind of thing, just, you know, a, a miracle or an answered prayer or something that's just outside of the ordinary. That's the things that we can hold on to. And we can say, God, I know you exist and I know you're on my side. Because we don't see miracles every day. Otherwise, they wouldn't be miracles, would they? They'd be everyday events. And I don't believe, I've never heard of anything happening like the wedding at Cana where people have, you know, gone expecting water and ended up with wine. Now, that really would hit the headlines, wouldn't it? But we, we don't see that kind of thing happening very often because it's a miracle. That's the point. Um, so, but the, question, the next question to ask, I'm not going to ask you to speak to each other, but what, is, what does this miracle mean to us? Have you ever experienced a miracle in your life? Have you ever seen or heard of something that truly blew your mind? I think with age you know, and life experience, we can become a bit sceptical about things. Perhaps that, you know, that time you, you think back and you think, oh, perhaps that time someone prayed for my leg and it got better. It would have got better anyway. 
Or maybe that job offer I prayed for that came through would have happened anyway. No, maybe, maybe it's kind of, maybe that thing would have happened. And we can start to think, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that's, that's just the way it goes. I'm really great, so maybe when I applied for that job, you know, I would have got it without God's help. However, are we open to the possibility that God really does want to do the miraculous in our lives? He really does want to do things that make us gasp and joyful. He really wants to save us and help us. I was really racking my brains this morning. I was thinking, what miracles have I seen? You know, what have I seen God do? And quite a few of the things that I was thinking about seemed to be a while back. Um, there was a time when, on the day when Caleb was born, he's now 11, just left primary school this week. And when he was born, um, the doctors checked him over and they said, there's a problem with his heart. Um, they, I, I, I'm not very good on biology, but basically there was a problem with his heart and they had to take him to the special baby unit. And they said it could all be fine, but actually it could actually end up with cardiac arrest which is just what you want to hear when you've got a one-day-old baby, isn't it? That's just the thing that you want someone to tell you. Oh, by the way, your baby could have a heart attack, uh, but it might not. So it could be fine. And so we all prayed our socks off. Um, And when we got to the special baby unit, you hand over, I don't know if anyone's had this experience, but you basically hand over your baby and then... And then they take your baby away. And it, it's, it's a very difficult situation. And it stops being um, kind of your thing. Um, and, we, and, the, and they said to us in the, in the special baby unit, they said to us um, that we would have to be there for 24 hours. And it was going to be quite difficult. And I, I would have had to go home and leave Caleb there. And, and it, was, it was a really difficult situation. Um, and we were praying our socks off. Um, and we were very, very, very blessed because in that situation, um, God did a miracle and he completely healed Caleb. And, and then they were able to, to let us out of the special baby unit within a, a few hours, which they said wasn't going to happen. And we are eternally grateful for that because that story could have gone a very different way. Um, and I've also seen God do a number of healings, of physical healings. We've seen quite a few people who've had knees healed in this, this place, haven't we? We've seen people's knees healed or um, uh, flash, was it flashioplantitis. No, I can't say it. I can't say it. But, but God has done some healings. Um, and I'm sure um, across this congregation, people have stories of miracles that they've seen God do and things that they've seen God do in their lives. But actually, some of the, the best things that God does um, in our lives is subtle things. We've been praying this year, and God has brought us a really, a much more diverse community. We were praying for a couple of years, and we said, God, bring us more diversity. We all look the same here. Bring us some people who, who don't look di- the, the same as us. Bring us people who think differently to us. Bring us in some new people, Lord. We, we really want to have a more diverse community. And God has answered that prayer. And recently, um, something that I've been praying for is that God has stirred people's hearts to help with the children and families ministry. Because we left, you know, John, lovely John left us. And so now we, we've got other people helping out. And we've got other people kind of getting involved. Um, at, you know, and, and we managed to host a strike day of fun at very short notice. You know, and these kind of things, they're all small miracles and amazing in themselves. We're really grateful to God for those things. Now, I've got a question for you to think about. What would you like Jesus to do in your life now? 
What is the miracle you're praying for? What is the crazy, it's never going to happen, so I can't even pray about it. I just feel depressed or desperate every time I think of it. What's that situation in your life? Because these are the places that Jesus wants to get involved in. He may look unwilling at times, but Mary just ploughed on and she provided the means for the miracle. What is the means for your miracle? What do you need? When the situation is too big for you to handle and you need 600 bottles of wine, now, who can you turn to? Let's take a moment to pray about this. You probably don't need long to recall the biggest issue in your life. It's probably there sitting you know, in your brain somewhere quite close. But let's take these things to Jesus and ask him to sort them out for us. Lord Jesus, we read the stories in the Bible and we know they're true. But Lord, we want them to be true for us as well as for the people in the Bible. Lord, we long to celebrate the biggest party, best party ever. But sometimes there's things in our lives that are really tough. So Lord, I pray, as we think about the thing that's causing us pain in our lives, Lord, we pray that you would do a miracle for each one of us. That you would come in your power. And that you would change our situations. Help those people that we love that are in distress. Fill us with your love, Lord Jesus. Come now. And as our passage says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after. But the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will show us that you have saved the best till now in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.